Okay, guys, welcome. So stoked. I'm so happy to see you all here. This is great. This is so fantastic. 20 out of 10. That's what all of you are. Guys, we're going to be talking about some fun topics. We're going to be talking about heartbreak. We're going to go through the process of it um, and do what we can to help everybody heal. For those of you who have not been here or to any of these seminars in the past, my name is Peter. I'm a coach. I help people with anxiety, depression, OCD, um, and really just taking their lives to another level. Um, and it's a blast. This is Nate, and I'm going to introduce What's him because he's not going to introduce himself sufficiently. He's the best <laughs> dating coach on the planet, okay? Next Hitch. to my wife, because we coach okay. together. They coach together. Yeah. Together, they're the best. They are better than Hitch ever was, <laughs> okay? Because both Nate and Allison are better than Will Smith. That's saying a lot, because Will Smith is awesome. I know, because I'm actually a big fan of Will Smith. <laughs> but what we do, we want to help everybody go through the process of removing emotional splinters. That's what I call little negative hidden beliefs that prevent us from reaching our potential. And when it comes to heartbreak, there's a lot. Yeah. The stru main structure for tonight will be two main things we want to cover. Uh, number one, the breakup itself. The communication involved, the feelings involved, uh, and then number two, the aftermath. So um, kind of like how to navigate the actual breakup and then how to heal, how to move on. So basically, <laughs> you've touched a hot stove and we're going to teach you <laughs> how, to <do laughs> how to heal from having touched the hot stove. And then in the next seminar, don't worry, we're going to teach you how to touch the stove again. <laughs> no, just kidding. We'll teach you how to cook. <laughs> Once upon a day, I was on a backpacking trip with some, with some homies, some good friends, and my friend Ashton was building a fire, and there was this moment where he was starting this fire, starting this fire, and he tosses in a little bit of kindling and burns his hand. He pulls back. He's like, ow! And then within four minutes, he does it again. Ow! And I was like, you literally just put your hand back in the fire. And he was like, that's dating. And kept going. <laughs> Right? And sometimes it feels like that. Okay, so almost everybody to some degree, third degree, has touched the stove, okay? Yeah. And we want to help you heal from that. And in the next seminar, which is going to be here at the very beginning of June, we're going to teach um, how to overcome the fear of breakups. Right now we're talking about overcoming the breakup pain itself. Yeah, moving on, healing. Uh, if there's one objective we have tonight, it's to provide at least one thing of value that you can take and use in your life. Whether you like what we have to say tonight or not, whether you decide to come back, whether you decide to tell your friends or not, like the most important thing. I'm sorry. The mountain stuff. <laughs> the most important thing <laughs> is that the mountain stuff. The most important thing um, to us is that we provide at least one thing that's, that's helpful for you. So that's the main goal of tonight. Um, and. <laughs> Might I say, there's probably a, a second piece of value that we'll all take away, and that's just being in this room. Have you guys looked around at like what's in this room? <laughs> this painting up here is an original, just so you know. Um, CJ is so nice to let us come do this in his personal private church history library. Um, so many cool things. He's going to come later, and I'm sure if you like church history or you have a passion for that, he would love to show you around and blow your mind with some of the things he has and the stories. So just a little plug for that. We're excited about it. Yeah, super cool. Um, I just wanted to preface really quick, and I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable, just a little bit, because I've been vulnerable in the past and it's awful. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Now, heartbreaks are not, this isn't my favorite topic, okay? Um, like, when it comes to, like, let's talk about attachment theory. Let's talk about overcoming fears. Let's talk about, oh, I could go for days. And those of you who spend time with me, you know, like, I, I love this. I don't like talking about heartbreaks. I don't like talking about breakups a whole lot. For those of you who have been in past seminars or have listened to the podcast, you might have heard the story that I dated a girl for, like, about a year, and we broke up once or twice every month the whole time. And so I was counting the other day. I was like, I'm 26, and I've been through, like, 30 breakups. <laughs> I've been through one, more than one. Well, obviously, most of them coming from that one relationship. But I was like, I've been through more breakups than I've been alive. <laughs> so suffice it to say, this isn't my favorite topic, because breakups can hurt. They're painful. These are not fun experiences. And if we look back, when we talked about the fear of rejection, part of the reason that we're afraid of being rejected is because of the primitive brain, right? Or the crocodile brain, whatever you choose to see it. We're going to talk caveman breakups. <laughs> Can you imagine cavemen breaking up with each other? <laughs> cavemen dating. Yeah. They can't talk, so they might as well beat it out. <laughs> That's why they call it a breakup. That's terrible. No, so sorry. But, if we're talking the primitive mind, the primitive mind, when it comes to, let's say you're a caveman. Put yourself in the situation. Right? You're a caveman. You've got your tribe. You've got your people. Right? Jake is a caveman. I know. He's my roommate. <laughs> Jake the tank. <laughs> but put yourself in that situation. You're a caveman. You go through some form of rejection. This is painful not only because it's rejection. It's painful because if you're rejected from the tribe, if you're cast out from your people, you're probably going to die. Right? Social rejection in ancient times equated to death. We are pack animals. We're community people. Like We thrive with one another. And so it can be painful not only because it's a betrayal, it's hard, it's difficult, but to some, to, to some degree, third degree, your brain <laughs> believes that you're dying. Does that make sense? So we're going to work with that and see how we can overcome this. Uh, a couple of rhetorical questions just to kind of put you in a malleable mindset, a, a mindset that um, is ready for anything you might need to learn or you might want to learn or improve on. When was the last time you went through a breakup? How'd it go? If you haven't been in a relationship or haven't like been through a breakup, you could just date me right now. <laughs> Here we are. We're dating. It's official. We're done. We're over. We're through. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> yeah. In reality, though, there's. <laughs> no. <laughs> Good point. What feelings does that bring up, though? That's the question. Does it? I don't know. Does it bring up, kick up some negative feelings, some negative thoughts, and some regrets? I think for most of it, most of us, it probably does, right? Um, one of the things we want you to take away from this is the knowledge that it doesn't have to be that way. It's going to hurt, right? Breakups hurt, but it is possible to, to handle them and handle the healing process to where, like, one day you look back on it and it's like, you know, I learned a lot from that. And, like, there's just positive feelings that remain. Like, that is possible. And that goes against a lot of popular dating advice. We want you guys to leave with a positive feeling. And... There's a, there's a popular TED Talk 
with like 80 million views a friend showed me when we were like prepping for this, right? And the TED Talk said how to get over someone, right? It's a horrible TED Talk. <laughs> and, and it says, they said, anytime you think of something positive from a past relationship, find something from that positive experience that was negative, something that bothered you, anything that bothered you, and focus solely on that, and maximize on the negative feeling so that any positive like, memory you have of this person is now a negative feeling. And I'm like, that's like the fastest way to never date anybody ever again in your life because you hate everything, right? Don't do that. That is the fastest way to become a pessimist. That is the fastest way just like, listen, okay, we're talking about emotional splinters. That's like taking like jaggedy wood and just sliding it on your hand. Let's get as many splinters in there as we possibly can. That's a really Don't. good point. That's how it is. No, they're bad points. Don't put them in you. That's the thing. Guys. Listen. The truth of it is, if we focus on the negative, our mind is going to expect the negative. And anytime we get into any kind of relationship, it's going to expect that negative experience. So if we focus and only pretend that the negative happened, then it's gonna make our lives much more negative as a whole. Yeah, and just as one more preface before we kind of dive into the breakup itself. Sometimes it's just hard. Like there's no getting around the fact that like, cutting something off with someone that you've already developed feelings for hurts. Uh, and there's no easy fix to that. Uh, but our hope is that with the things that we talk about tonight, or even, I don't know, even, even if none of the things we say tonight, like we trust God that he's got your back and he's going to be able to help you get through things and heal and get to good places and, and move on to, to bigger and better relationships um, in your life. So that's, that's the preface, is that sometimes it's just hard, but that's okay because... We believe in a God that's really, really good at helping us through hard things and, uh, and become better because of them. Okay, so let's start at the breakup. How many of you have initiated a breakup before? A little more than half? More than half. That was me counting quickly. I'm not good at math. That's why. I got kicked out of every math class. No. He's too loud. Get him out of here. No, but most of us at one time or another have initiated a breakup, right? And there are a couple of things that we want to take into consideration when that is about to happen, right? Let's say you're in a relationship. Let's say you're in a relationship with somebody who's decent but doesn't quite feel right. Ever been there? Raise your hand if you've been there. Doesn't quite feel right. It's like, I just, I don't know. And you need to take into consideration some things that we've talked about before. In the last seminar, we discussed attachment theory, right? So, for example, if somebody has more of an avoidant attachment-like style, and they're in a fantastic relationship, they're in a phenomenal relationship, but they just feel a little anxious whenever they think that their freedom might be being imposed on. Does that make sense? Then they're going to feel uncomfortable. They're going to feel anxious. Not because it's wrong, but because they somehow feel that they're going to lose a freedom. That they somehow feel that this isn't quite right because I'm actually being loved. Right? Because I'm actually being cared for. It's easy to date people who don't actually care for you when you're avoidant. You know what I mean? 
super easy because you know that you're not actually going to marry them. You're not actually going to end up with them for eternity. And so it's super easy to date them, right? But suddenly when it becomes real and it's like, whoa, I really care about this person and they treat me really, really well. Wow. This is like eternity we're talking about. <laughs> My freedom. <laughs> <laughs> and you can shut that off. You want to make sure that that's not why you're doing it. If they're fantastic and you're just scared, then we want to help you, right? Another, another scenario is somebody, and I've worked with clients um, who have gone through this, so it's actually a real thing, and it's really, really sad, where she was abused by her father, she was abused by her brother, she was abused by the first several guys mm -hmm. that she dated, she started dating a guy who was stellar, super good, temple-worthy, absolutely phenomenal man, and her brain was like, this can't be right. This isn't how I'm supposed to be treated. This isn't how my dad treated my mom. This isn't how my dad treated me. And so the mind, she doesn't consciously think this, but somewhere deep down the brain says, this isn't right when it is. Does that make sense? The other thing is, how many of you guys have ever felt a little bit anxious in a relationship? Okay, literally everybody here. Let's talk about anxiety and dating. Wow, what a crowd. Okay. Um, Here's the thing, you need to make sure, because, okay, let me preface. I believe wholeheartedly in involving God in your relationships. I think that's crucial. I think that's important because, fun fact, God wants you to succeed in relationships more than you want you to succeed in relationships. This is important. Nate would say, this is his work and his glory. Right? Not only that, but if you think about it, out of all seven days of creation, the one thing that Heavenly Father didn't delegate, the one thing he reserved for himself because it mattered that much to him, was bringing Adam and Eve together. Right? Like the one thing he didn't delegate was that. So this is a big deal. So God does care. God does want you to be in a healthy, happy, phenomenal, amazing relationship. Right? People think that if you're in a relationship you might be tied down. That's not the case. In a lot of ways, you're liberated. There's a reason that we can make it to the highest degree of heaven when sealed to an eternal companion. Because with that person, you can become a god. This is incredible. This is amazing. Right? It's like, ah, I want to focus on my career. Guys, you can be a god. <laughs> this is a big deal. And all of you guys, you're all here, so you're like, I'm trying, okay? <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is a lot of us at one time or another, have used anxiety as a reason to break up for some, with somebody. Thinking right. that maybe it's God's direction for right. us. Or his, We're thinking through the spirit or something there. Something feels off. I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on. I just feel really anxious about this relationship. Guys, I don't believe that God inspires anxiety. I don't think God uses fear to answer prayers. Yeah. Uh, first girl I ever dated um, broke up with me twice. We almost got back together a third, almost a fourth time. Um, we only dated for like a couple weeks, and she was like, hi, I'm feeling good about this, and broke up with me both times, right? Um, and she, like, she said that she was struggling with some anxiety. And I remember asking one of my favorite institute teachers, I was like, can the spirit speak to you through anxiety? <laughs> and he was like, no. <laughs> It's not one of God's languages. <laughs> you go back to her, you're like, hey, listen. 
<laughs> but in reality, um, I, I, I kind of believed it did. Almost as if in Galatians 5, 22, 23, it said, and the fruit of the Spirit is anxiety, fear, doubt, worry, depression. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. Those aren't God's language. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, long-suffering, patience, right? Um, all of those things. And the scripture that my institute teacher shared with me that... Um, Basically says the same thing, only even more clearly. It says in Doctrine and Covenants 50, verse 23, it says, And that which doth not edify is not of God and is darkness. Um, how many times has God commanded us not to fear? In the scriptures, a lot. I don't remember the exact number, but it's a lot. At least five. I doubt that he would speak to you through a means that he has told you to avoid, right? Um, so that's, that's an important point. So let's say you've done the thinking and you're like, okay, you know what? It doesn't quite feel right. And I'm kind of, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong. But I kind of, I just, I don't know. Listen, if things aren't right, whether or not you're going to go break up with this person, commit to talking with them. Okay? Crucial conversations Please. are essential. <laughs> Please talk to them about it. Right? Because if you... We're already giving some of you anxiety just by saying I can tell. But like, Please I'm talk, talk to them. To what? <laughs> It's a real thing. We don't blame you. It's, it's totally common. Right? And don't procrastinate it, right? If you feel like it's important to break up with somebody, especially if you've, like, had the peaceful... No, this isn't right. From God? Like, listen. The longer you just hold on to that, you're like, I don't want to hurt them. Because it hurts when it hurts somebody. Right? That one. It's like... Yeah. Yeah. That's... that's okay. It's hard. And it's scary, but don't procrastinate breaking up with somebody just because you're afraid that you'll hurt them. Because the longer you wait, the more you're going to hurt them, right? The longer you draw it out, the more it's going to hurt you, and the more you're going to resent the whole entire situation. Yeah, so true. My brother, um, he, uh, he was single for quite a while, uh, dated a lot of people, and his philosophy was he'd date them until he knew that it wasn't right to marry them, and then... He'd start praying they would break up with him. <laughs> oh, oh. He wouldn't talk to him. He didn't want to be the bad guy. And so sadly, he'd kind of manipulate them into being the bad guy by like just letting their relationship drag out, not letting it really progress towards marriage. And like, I love my brother to death. Don't get me wrong. Brother, if you're listening to this I'm podcast, sorry, we weren't going to mention you. <laughs> I was going to say someone, but I said you. Still luck up to you, bro. I learned from you. Thanks for the example. Um, <laughs> Learned what not to do in that regard. Um, anyway, he's happily married, three kids, he's awesome. But the principle is this, um, communicate. So, so important. It, I think it's harder for this generation to have hard conversations than any of the generations that have preceded us. They used to talk about everything, right? They'd go to dances, they, they talk on the train, they talk on the bus. We don't, right? We don't practice. We don't have near as much practice having conversations, especially hard conversations about things that are sensitive or might hurt. And so, man, like, we need to learn those skills, especially if we want to have healthy marriages. And I just testify to that. That's huge for having a healthy marriage, like, on the daily hard conversations, and so worth it. So worth it. So that's exactly how not to break up with somebody. Listen, and, and this is actually a much more common situation than people would think, right? This happens a lot, and it happens very, very, very subtly, right? It becomes, I don't feel right about it, but I don't want to tell them, I don't want to talk about this, this is stressful. And they slowly manipulate and sabotage the relationship from the inside until the other person's like, is so, are, are we okay? And you're like, yeah, are you sure we're okay? 
yeah. <laughs> okay. Right? And then you're going to be like, ah, and then suddenly you're breaking up, right? That's just prolonged. Don't do that, okay? So when it is time to break up with somebody, get straight to it. Figure out, first of all, first and foremost, is this a negotiation or is this a termination of contract, right? That's super important it's to huge. figure that out first. <laughs> right? Go to the person. If this is a, if it's a negotiation, it means I really want this to work out, but there are just some things that really aren't working for me. But that right. I believe you could probably work on that I could work on. You need more deodorant, bro. Like, <laughs> please. You know? <laughs> like, there can be so many different things. Don't smile. <laughs> okay. But there are so many different things. If this is a negotiation, if there are some things that they could do or improve on that aren't asking them to completely change into a different person, there's just some little subtle things. Hey, you could be better at this. Hey, if you did this, it would make me feel like a little more appreciated. And those are like important to you. Talk about, they don't know. I'm talking mostly to the girls, but it's both ways. Like, guys, help people out. Help people figure, nobody's a mind reader. Girls expect guys to be mind readers and everybody knows that's the stigma. Guess what, guys do that too. Nobody's a mind reader. Clear-cut communication. If it's termination of contract is in you're like, listen, even if they did everything perfect, it's just not right. And I know that and I feel that and it's strong. Or saying like, there are some really red flags or some things that aren't negotiations. They're like, that's who they are, and I don't want to change who they are. I like who they are, it's just not right for me, right? It's, not, it's, it's okay to just, why it's so, it's hard for me right now. Just cut it off, <laughs> just end the, terminate the contract. Does that make sense? Yeah. Next time I'm going through a breakup, I'm like, listen, are we gonna negotiate or are we gonna terminate this contract? She's like, what? <laughs> She's like, I listen to your podcast. <laughs> A couple of communication tips from the dating coach that will help a lot when it comes to these actual conversations. If it's a negotiation, um, the principle of seek first to understand, then to be understood from seven habits, super good, great, right? That way you're taking the time to understand where they're at, maybe some of their reasons for the things that are bothering you before you seek to be understood, right? Such an awesome principle. Uh, on the contrary though, if it's the other way around and you're already sure that this is a value clash or something that they're not going to change or that they shouldn't change for you, you actually need to flip-flop that principle and you need to seek to be understood first, then to understand. Here's why. Um, say for example, I'm like, okay, this is for sure not gonna work out. I go into the, into the conversation seeking first to understand. And I'm like, so where are you at with all this? Right? And she's like, that's great. I think we'll probably get married. And I'm like, oh shoot. <laughs> Well, um, I was thinking, I was we, should thinking we should break up. Right? <laughs> that's not the way you want to start this conversation, and that's why, if you're already sure that it's a, it's yeah, it's it's a no go, start with uh, communication that has these elements. Um, it's clear, it's honest, um, but it's kind, and it's grateful, because we can learn something from every dating relationship. If it has those elements, it's going to go so much better. Um, so those are some principles that, that can help when it comes to the actual conversation. Uh, I just want to make sure I don't miss anything with that. You don't. You're good. Okay, sweet. <laughs> um, the other thing is um, be effective, not efficient in a breakup. Okay? The more efficient a breakup, the more damage you're going to do. That makes sense. Can you imagine going through a breakup and then just being like, hey, I think we should probably break up. If you want to talk about it, that's fine. But listen, I only have 10 minutes. You're going to be like, I don't freaking want to talk to you. Right? That hurts. That's saying, 
I don't value you. Mm. You're not worth taking the time to communicate with, right? That's painful, right? What's the most efficient way of breaking up with somebody? Ghosting. Probably ghosting, right? Listen, don't ghost people. <laughs> don't do it. We've I talked about it in previous podcasts, but like such an important one. Okay, if you need to break up with somebody, is ghosting efficient? Sure, for you. The other person's never gonna have closure. Guess what? The only time you should ever ghost somebody, anybody, is if you feel like you're in danger. But most of you guys look like really stellar people who aren't dating dangerous people. But for real, the other thing, okay, except for listen. <laughs> Run. Does that make sense though? If you ghost somebody, then there's no closure. They don't know if there was something they needed to improve on. They don't know if there was something that they did wrong. They don't know if they offended you. And if you ghost them, then they feel that they were somebody. For example, like, if you ghost somebody because you're in danger, good job, good on you. If you ghost somebody who's a great guy, there's a message that says, you're not worth my time, you're not worth like communicating with, but it's over. And he's sitting there thinking, because he has no idea. He's like, did she think I was like, did she, was she comfortable, are we okay? He has no idea. He has no idea if it was just a value clash or if it was just something that he needed to do better or she just didn't like the way he did the dishes, or if she felt unsafe, he has no idea. And I know I'm saying this about guys. Listen, it goes both ways. Again, don't ghost people. Be effective. Communicate effectively. Here's another tip when it comes to communicating effectively in regards to giving them a reason why you're breaking up with them. There's kind of a, a really sad tradition here in the church and in this area in Utah um, where people oftentimes be like, ah, yeah, God told me it's not right. And maybe that's the case, that? but like, how does that make you feel? God, God told you that I'm not right, I'm not good enough? Like, ouch, right? Like, we need to be a little bit more specific, not too specific, but if it's a value clash, say that. Like, you know, I think our values just kind of clash a little bit, and that's fine. Like, we both need someone where our values align. Um, if, it's a, if it's a chemistry thing and you're just not feeling giddy about them, you can use those terms. You'd be like, you know what, like, I just don't quite feel giddy, and you deserve that. Like, chemistry-wise, it's just not quite there for me, and, like, I wish it was, but it's not, and we both, like, we need that in, in a marriage. So we can, we can give them reasons, honest reasons, and give them in terms like that that are understandable, where they're like, oh, yeah, I get that. I felt that way about people, right? Where it's understandable, it's not offensive, and then at least they know, like, what it is, and they're not doing the wondering game, right? They're not with, left with a bunch of uncertainty. And that way you don't have to, like avoid that person afterward. You know what I mean? That way, yeah. if you see them in a grocery store, you don't have to be like, ah, hide me, what is it? My ex. Which, what'd you do, kick him in the shins when you left? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Listen, and, and guess what? Coming in, like crossing paths with your exes isn't necessarily like the best thing in the world, right? If I could pick like 10 things to do in a day, that wouldn't be one that I like, I wanna do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not my favorite thing in the world, but, but it can if be I, a positive thing. Right, if I pass them, I'm like, hi, how are you? Hope you're doing well. Bang, courteous, it's fine. Because guess what? Every single girl that I've ever dated in my own mind, they're tens, they're tens out of 10. They're just not my tens. It, it's almost hey. like you're walking past a class you already took and, and it's like, I'm glad that class is over, but I'm really grateful for it. Right? I learned something. That, that can I'm be, never that, taking that class that, again, but that it was good. That can be your experience, right? Where it's like, and, and you think that about each other mutually. It's like, hey, thanks, you taught me something, you know, for them. 
as you walk <laughs> next to your spouse. Like, like that's, that's the positive kind of grateful vibes we can have if we choose to handle the, the breakup and the aftermath. There's a song, song that I really like called, is it called, I forget. It's called To the Man Who Let Her Go. And it's like him singing, he's like, man, she's incredible. Like the, I, you're the person, you're the man that I have to for, like thank. Thank you so much for breaking up with her so that I can have her now. And it's a really, really good song. It's actually really endearing. And I think that that's a good way of looking at things, right? Now, let's say that they break up with you, right? You didn't see it coming. And it's like, oh, snap, I'm a lonely caveman, right? <laughs> like, this is not about it. You know what I mean? The problem is, and we've talked about this, is what does that communicate to you? What is the message that you're coming away with, right? If you, if somebody breaks up with you and you ask, oh, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? The brain's gonna say, what is wrong with you? Let's figure it out. What is wrong? And it's gonna go through and it's gonna say, remember, what was the analogy? You tripped over that girl in sixth grade. That's wrong with you. You made so many mistakes. You did this, you did this. If you ask, what's wrong with me? It's going to point out everything that it could possibly find that might be wrong with you. But if you ask, what can I learn from this? Oh, the brain says, there's something to learn. There's something to be gained here. Let me go and learn. And then suddenly we see it as a class and it's like about improving and it's about moving forward, right? And there are so many different messages that we can take away from a breakup, especially if we don't see it coming. Then it's like, listen, we, we preface this at the beginning. They hurt. They're hard. It's hard to not walk away from it saying, I failed, I'm a failure. You know what I mean? That's difficult to do. But if you look for the lessons, they will be there. Yeah. Um, Two more brief uh, communication tips. Do you guys know what the Family Proclamation talks about dating? It totally does. Um, My favorite part is where it says, uh, successful marriages and families um, are established and maintained. Established meaning? Dating, right? That's how you establish a family. Maintained upon principles of faith, prayer, repentance. My favorite two that I think we often forget about in our dating lives. Compassion and respect. Um, it's the compassionate thing to do to talk about it. It's the, compa- it's the respectful thing to do to have those hard conversations and to learn, the, learn those skills. It really is. The other thing is the more we practice and improve on this, we're setting ourselves up for more success in the future in dating. I'm a 4115 for that which you do send out shall return unto you again. Right? People will be more honest with you in the future. They'll, be, they'll communicate clearer with you. You'll, you'll you know, have more conversations in dating with more mature people as you learn these skills. So it'll improve your dating life moving forward too. And the exact opposite of that is a process called horribleizing or demonizing. And it's kind of similar to the TED Talk that we referred to in the, um, earlier. There's a book that I recommend everybody read. Like, literally, just like go buy this book, read it, and then read it again. And do that every year, right? It's called The Anatomy of Peace by the Arbinger Institute, right? The people who've read it, they're like, oh, I love the book. My dad's so old good. institute teacher. Taught my dad institute back in the day. There you go. Here's the thing is they talk about the process of horribleizing in which, I'll give you an example, okay? There was this girl. She happened to be my girlfriend, right? We were dating, we had been dating for a while, um, like six, seven months or something like that. And we were starting to like talk about marriage, moving down that path. 
and I remember things were kind of rocky. She definitely had a very avoidant attachment style. She got really, really scared if there was anybody like getting too close to her. So I always had to kind of watch myself and I knew that and I got that and I was very careful, very, very respectful. Not that I'm not respectful in other cases, you know what I mean? But I knew that she was experiencing a little bit of anxiety about it. So I was kind of just, what is the word? I was giving back what she was putting in. Does that make sense? I wasn't pushing it. And I remember one day she brought up rings, right? And I was like, okay, let's talk about rings, right? <laughs> and she showed me like the rings that she liked and all these things. And, 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 and I responded and was, we were talking very seriously about it. And the next day she panicked. And we didn't talk for several days. And then so I knew it was coming, right, by that point. And she broke up with me. And it was like, she was just like, listen, I just can't. I don't. There's too much. I just feel so much pressure with school and this and that. I just can't do it. And we just have, like, differing views when it comes to the future and family. Family's huge for me. Big, big deal, right? And so I was like, dang it. I had literally moved, like, across the state. <laughs> been there for like eight days when this happened. I remember that. Oh my, yeah. Yeah, that was right after the mission reunion. Yeah. Uh -huh. Anyway, so then a couple weeks later, maybe a couple months later, I got a phone call from a friend and he was like, he was like, bro. I was like, what? He was like, did you hit her? I was like, no, what? I, okay, I would never hit anybody. I have six little sisters. Like I know how to respect somebody. That is not it. Don't, okay, <laughs> let's get fired up, okay? And I was like, no, what? And, she, and they said, that's what she's saying. And I was like, yo, what the? And so I called, and I was just like, I was like, hey, how you doing? And she was like, I'm all right. And like, Did you say this? And she's just silent. And I was like, okay, let's talk about this. We broke up, and we broke up on purpose, and that's okay. The reason that we do that, the reason that she does that is because just breaking up to break up doesn't sound like a valid enough reason. It wasn't right. Everybody's like, but why? Gotta prove I'm the it victim. It just wasn't right, right? And guess what, it wasn't. But in her mind, that wasn't a good enough reason, and so let me find a different reason. Let me find something extreme to tell people so that everybody's like, oh yeah, good on you. You got out of that situation. You had to do it. Good for you. You know what I mean? Guess what? That never happened. But maybe in her mind, somehow, she just twisted these things, and we do that. Not always to that degree, but we do that, right? When we go through a breakup, which is like, well, they were awful. They were just so mean about this. They were just rude about this, and we start to focus on those negative points. Don't do that. They're children of God. They work, they try, they're doing their best. They don't know where to go or what to do. And if you need them to be the bad guy in order for your actions to make sense, it's just, guys, don't do that. It's okay if it's just not right. There's nothing wrong with that. The other thing that happens, this is similar to horribleizing but slightly different, is people will hold on to resentment as if to prove that they were a victim in the situation. They'll hold on to that, right? Let's say they treated them badly. Let's say this was a bad relationship. Let's say this was horrible, right? And I've treated clients who have this and they're just like, I can't forgive them. I won't forgive them. I have to hold on to that resentment. I can't let it go. 
And the reason that we do that is because if we were to let go of the resentment, if we were to forgive that person, then somehow, some way, are we saying that it was okay that they treated us the way that, we, that they did? That's not what that's saying, right? It literally just means, I don't have to carry this anymore. This isn't on me. It doesn't have to be on me. It shouldn't be on me. But all too often, we refuse to forgive, and that just carries it with us. They were a bad guy. I'm the victim. I'm the victim. Guess what? That's great, but after four years, after four months, it just hurts you. It's not helping. It's not keeping you safe. Forgive and move forward. Yeah. And when it comes to, to hurting, sometimes breakups can feel like, like our heart's a canyon and like the sides are just crumbling down. Like, it's like, man, like there goes all this like potential I saw, right? All this stuff I thought was sturdy and unshakable is just crumbling down. Um, yeah, I'm a, canyon, I'm a crumbly canyon wall and I'm taking you with me. <laughs> Snatched you right out of the air. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, no, but really that's how it feels oftentimes. Um, and that's an analogy that's kind of cool, which we'll kind of finish later on tonight. But um, it really does feel that way. Um, it's almost like there's physical pain in our heart. I don't know. Has anyone else ever felt that before? Like your heart literally hurts. Almost like there's a piece of it missing. And you're just like, ow. You're like, this is crazy. Like the emotional pain is translating into physical pain. Um, and that's a real thing too. It's super wild why that happens. If we look into the neuroscience of everything, and some of you guys have, might have, have looked into this, but that happens because when we experience emotional pain, if we experience emotional trauma, it literally triggers the exact same part of the brain that triggers physical pain, right? So that's why it, listen, pain is in the mind. You guys saw Inception when she shot the guy in the foot. There's real pain in the mind. Okay, we can't pretend that it's not, right? That's all, that's all story. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's the other reason why it can hurt so bad. It's not, it's not always just, oh, I, I lost this person that meant a lot to me. Sometimes we start to believe that we lost our one chance. We, we blew our one shot for like a successful marriage. Like they were it and I messed it up. Sometimes we start to believe that. I believed that once for a little while. Um, someone I like took on dates all growing up, like as soon as she turned 16 and until the mission, got back from our missions the exact same day, the, aim, the age change happened right beforehand, which made that possible. And I was like, this is an act of God. We're getting married, <laughs> right? Um, and I talked to her afterward, come to find out like, she doesn't have feelings like that anymore. She's decided to wait for someone else she was, she was writing on his mission. And it wasn't just that I, I lost someone that I thought I was going to marry. Um, it literally felt like my best friend in the world had just died. Because she, like, she was at that time in my life. And I couldn't see her after developing those kind of feelings, knowing that she did like they weren't returned and she would get away from this other guy and marry him. Knowing, knowing that she was going to be preparing for that and dating him, I couldn't like spend time with her anymore. There's no way I was going to be able to see her again and like feel, like spend time with her again and feel good about it, right? And so sometimes we don't recognize that heartbreak and breakup is similar enough to losing a loved one to death that we need to go through a grieving process. I went through trauma. Like, there was a little bit of trauma with that. Looking back, I know it was, I know it was trauma. Um, and that's, that's really important for us to, to understand. Um, 
because there's a grieving process and because like this is more serious um, of an issue um, in our lives than we give it credit for, we need to be careful what we do right afterward. For example, it was after the second or third girl I dated and breaking up that I started to notice that like 90% of all songs written are about love and relationships. And I was like, ah! I thought you were going to say 90% of all songs were written about her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how it feels. That really is how, whether they're positive or negative, they both hurt, right? The negative reminds you of the positive that's gone and the, or the positive reminds you of the, the positive that's gone and the negative reminds you of um, what happened. What happened. And so like, it's really important to be careful afterward. That's why I started listening to Christian pop because it's all about trusting God. There's a plan. There's a purpose, right? Um, I started listening to rap because it's not about love. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but it is important that we take time to go through the grieving process and that we're careful to help that along in whatever way we can. And here's, the, here's another thing. If you've been through a breakup, you've been through stuff, we've all done something in common, and it's always different, but it's called distract ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Raise them loud and proud. You've tried to distract yourself, Kiana dances. <laughs> yes! She's in the front, so she doesn't know she's the only one that raised her hand. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So many different ways we can do this. Shopping. Right. Cameras. Huh? Trucks. <laughs> Tacoma. As in like okay. decals for his Tacoma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, for real, there's so many ways that we try to distract ourselves. We like go to any and all social events just to like mm. be doing something. I need to be around somebody, please. Pass me. <laughs> so many things that we do. The other thing that I've done that I'm guilty of was, and I've told this story I think in other seminars, was um, all the time that was spent with, it, with my girlfriend became time at the gym, right? And is that a healthy thing to do? Yes, it is. To a certain extent. <laughs> to a certain degree, right? I was there for like four to six hours every single day. And was I eating enough to, no, I couldn't eat, a, like I couldn't afford to eat that much, like no way. But I was there because I had to be doing something. I had to, right? And so I was doing it out of desperation, right? Yeah. Um. And there's different levels of distractions. Some are fine, right? Others are bad. Like, we know that. Um, some people fall to, like, sin as distractions, um, whether it's pornography or, you know, video game addictions or whatever. Um, we oftentimes seek to distract ourselves from the pain when what we're doing is distracting ourselves from healing. We're stopping that process, right? And if you jump on things, Kay, I have to be careful the way I say this. There are dating apps out there, <laughs> right? Just went through a breakup, <clears throat> mutual, <laughs> right? And so, and it, well, the thing is, is that is, it is good. Depending on where you're but at. <laughs> the thing is, is that it can become addictive quite quickly because if you're just swiping through people different, like the way that you do, but if you're doing it out of desperation, if you're doing it out of spite, if you're doing it because you just have to go on a date so you can post it on your story so that you can show your ex that things are going better for you than they are for them. You know what I mean? That's not okay. And everybody, the reason that Mutual or Tinder or Bumble or... Hinge. Sure, Hinge. I don't know. <laughs> like, the reason, that, the reason that these are addictive is because anytime you get that match, it's like pops up and you're like, <gasps> spike of dopamine, right? You're like, yes, yes, I did something. I got it. And it makes you feel like you've done something right. 
And so then we could just become addicted to, to that. Yeah. And it's not actually helping us heal. I just want to be wanted. <laughs> um, a quick plug for dating apps. They're not bad, right? As a dating coach, I have told clients this. They are great when you're in a healthy place and you don't need them, right? Sometimes we start to feel like we need them the more time we spend on them, right? It's like, gotta get a match, right? Um, so something I recommend to people is number one, make sure that you're like doing pretty well emotionally. Number two, set a limit for how much time you spend on and how frequently you get on. For me, you can ask Ashton, we were roommates, and Peter. For me, it was when I brushed my teeth. Two minutes. And then I put it away. Sometimes it's three or four. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like brushing his teeth for like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's hard to multitask, so it did take long. I got really good at scraping with my left hand, though, you know? <laughs> he does. Now you know why. <laughs> See, that's another reason it's a good rule. Huh? You're improving. That's our, I gotta brush my teeth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I gotta lift weights, here we go. Here, it really is about the intent though. What's, what's the motivation behind whatever you choose to spend your time on after, um, after a breakup? Is it spite? Is it to just numb yourself or distract yourself from the healing? Or are there more positive motives? Right, and the other thing is, is that there are fantastic things to do to distract yourself, right? And what I would recommend, and what other people have recommended is, do something selfless. All too often we get so caught up in making sure that we do stuff for us, it's like, now's the time for growth for you. You're right, it is. But the best way to grow is to help others. The best way to grow is to get invested in a cause that matters and put yourself into it and just go like, Ham, you know what I mean? Heart and mind, okay? Ham is important. I personally, everybody's like, whoa! I love that analogy. <laughs> right? That's important. So put yourself in a worthy cause that blesses others, that's selfless, that's empowering, that empowers other people. Does that make sense? Um, I really support a program called Operation Underground Road, if you guys want to check it out. If you've been through a breakup, look them up. They, they're anti-trafficking, like anti-human trafficking, right? <laughs> and I love to work with them, whether or not I've been through a breakup, but it definitely helps you get super invested in helping people. Such a cool organization. And like, you can't help but do that with a selfless motive, right? You can't help but like get involved in a cause like that. I'm saving children selfishly. <laughs> it doesn't, that's not, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> Right? It's going to be a very like from the heart I want to help people kind of thing and it's those kind of endeavors where it's with that kind of motivation that's going to continue to help provide healing from a breakup. Um, for me, it's been throwing events. I was like, man, I, I'm like having a really hard time finding someone. I guess I'll do my best to help other people. That's why I started doing socials, right? And dances and things like that. Like I'm so passionate about it because I'm like, I really do believe that um, oftentimes we don't get what we really, really want in this life until we help enough other people get what they want first, right? Zig Ziglar. Yeah. You and can't it, have what you want until you help enough people get what they want. Exactly. It, it really is about um, becoming, right? Doing something that helps you become better um, for, for selfless motives. Speaking of becoming, um, quick story, and I love this. Uh, when I was on my mission, uh, Peter and I served together, by the way, but I think it was right before you got to the mission, I was in an internet cafe in Nicaragua. We were writing home um, our weekly email back when that was the thing. Um, and there was is this, that not a thing? There was, it's still a 
Is it still, still okay. emails? I thought I'm you guys just did, I thought missionaries just did <laughs> video calls every Yeah, Are they still the emails? Okay. They're allowed to. That's okay. I didn't send Good emails even when that was. <laughs> <laughs> we were sitting in the internet cafe, and my zone leader, Elder Mellers, awesome guy. I look up to him so much. He's like, he's like, hey, Elder Clark. My, uh, I just got an email from my little brother. He's like 16 or 17. He was asking for dating advice. I was like, cool. What'd you tell him? And he's like, I told him this. I told him, forget about trying to become the type of guy that all the girls want and choose to become the type of guy that God wants you to be. And then the best kind of girls will flock to you. And I was like, that's cool. You're a good older brother, Elder Mellers. That's what I'm talking about. He was a good older brother. Yeah. <laughs> Still is. <laughs> um, when we go through this kind of thing, if we get rejected, if we go through some kind of breakup, if we go through really anything hard, literally anything difficult, we're faced with a crossroads. Right, and we've referenced this before. We call it the empath or the apath. Are you going to take? Are you going to take? Are you going to take <laughs> the apath and become apathetic, where you just don't care, just doesn't matter? I don't care. Doesn't matter. I don't know. Or are you going to let that take you on the empath, where you become more empathetic, where you allow the trials and the things that you've been through? Help other people. Yeah. And help teach you, other people. Help you become the kind of person God wants you to be. Right? That's the thing, is that pain makes us malleable. Pain makes us shapeable. It's like, I don't know, you get that like cold Play-Doh, and it's like a rock, but you heat it up in your hands enough, but that's not comfortable. Imagine somebody doing that to you. <laughs> right? But it'll heat up the dough, right? And then God can make you into whatever he needs you to be. Pain can make us malleable. And you can put yourself in God's hands, or you can put yourself in the world's hands. And if that analogy is like a little bit hard for you to wrap your head around, here's another one, the canyon analogy, right? Go through a breakup, the canyon walls are coming crumbling down, guess what? Now you can hold more. You can hold more joy. You can hold more empathy. If, if we choose the, the uh, empath, right? We choose to, to let it help us become someone better. Um, that's definitely a possibility for us. Um, here's the thing, though. It's, it's a vulnerable thing to keep putting your trust in God over and over and over again when you just keep getting your heart ripped out. That's how it feels, right? You keep getting your hopes up only to have them come tumbling down over and over again. And so after a while, we're like, um, God, I've had enough. One time, one time I was crying in the front room because of dating experiences and, and, and some hard things that were going on. And I was like, Mom, why is this so hard? And she was like, God tries those that he loves. And I was like, sometimes I wish he wouldn't try so hard. <laughs> I really do. Um, and I was like saying that through tears, like sincere. I'm like, I'm grateful, but sometimes I wish he wouldn't try so hard. Um, and that's, that's a hard thing to like choose to open up our heart again um, to God's promises, to keep trusting, to keep looking for those promises to be fulfilled. Um, we get it. Like, <laughs> That's a real thing. And it's hard not to, not only to be vulnerable and to trust God, but it's hard to be vulnerable and to trust others, right? That can be quite difficult. It's sometimes, and I know, I've had conversations, one-on-one -on -one conversations with a lot of people here where that has been said. It's like, I just, when I'm vulnerable and it's just like not appreciated, it's thrown on the ground, it's like, 
hi, let me give you my heart, as they stomp on it out of my hand. And it's like, just, that is hard. That is difficult. And we can't pretend that it's not. Remember, in the next seminar, we're going to be talking about after you've been through stuff of the, like all of this, once you're feeling healthy, how can you start dating again? How can you get over the fear of this happening again? Right? How can I get to a point where I trust others and I trust God and I'm not afraid of going through another breakup? Right? If you're not jumping into a relationship because you're afraid of breaking up with that person, the next seminar is for you. If you're not that person, the next seminar is still for you. But I want to talk just a little bit about the altar of God. Right? Abraham was commanded to sacrifice his son, right? He was commanded to sacrifice the one thing that he cared the most about that had been promised to him. And I'm sure that was hard, right? We, like, we read that as a story and we're like, but he did it out of faith. He's got this. It's fine, right? I, imagine how excruciating that process was. You know what I mean? And for us... Sometimes it's important, and we've talked about this, to take what we think we want or to take what we think we should have, what we think we deserve, and place it on the altar of God. Give it to him. Put it in his hands. Because, like I said at the beginning, he wants you to succeed more than you could ever want you to succeed. He's pulling for you. And if we trust him and we trust him completely, the whole process is going to be incredible and there will be miracles throughout. Like Nate, right? Nate. Like Allison, she's my miracle. No, it's As true. And I'll before. tell you, they, Nate was trying so hard. Nate was trying so hard. And it wasn't until he finally said, okay, God, here it is. Do what you will, and I'll be still, and I have faith and trust, right? And then suddenly magical, here's Allison. She's perfect for him. He didn't even do anything. Except for trust God and follow his dictates. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, one last thing. One of the things people have um, said they really resonated with was when I shared that several months before meeting Allison and getting married, I asked God a question. I said, why do I keep feeling good about dating all these girls that I just end up feeling like I need to break up with over and over and over? Why? What's the point? <laughs> the lie was that it was pointless. And then God provided the truth that set me free on that one. And that was that, Nate, for you, this is the perfect school to learn Christ-like attributes. And I wanted to expound on that tonight. Um, attributes like empathy. Attributes like trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Attributes like brave, Christ-like conversation and communication, right? Those are attributes that he wants you to develop, not only um, for you and your friendships and your current relationships, but for your future marriage, for being a parent. Um, wow, when you look at it in that context, context and you take a step back and you like try to look at it a little bit more like he does, what an honor. What an honor to be, feel like, yeah, to feel over and over again like it's not right and therefore be single longer. I know you can all think of people that were single for a long time that have made a big influence in the church as speakers. Um, lots of leaders that were single for a long time. What an honor for God 
to invite you to be included in that crowd, if you're willing to, the crowd that goes forth and tries to uplift people and teach them with the attributes that Christ helped them develop through the painful, hard journey of dating. Guys, I think, I think there are a lot of lies that we might feel identify us. That's what this whole series was based on, right? Is, and that's really like one of the premises of my company when, I, when it comes to coaching people, is that the truth will set you free which means if you're feeling like you're in bondage, if you're feeling like you're stuck, if you're feeling like you're trapped, anxious, frustrated, alone, heartbroken, to some degree, we're aligned with, a, with, with something that isn't true, right? When we go through a breakup, then it might mean, it might say any number of things. I don't know what it says about you. I know for me, I felt if I was alone, I wasn't good enough. If I was alone, then I was a failure. If I was alone, it meant that nobody cared about me, right? If nobody cared about me, that meant God didn't care about me, right? And going through a series of breakups was hard for me because I took that message every time. If I went through a breakup, it wasn't only that she didn't care about me or that I didn't care about her and that made me a bad person. It was that God didn't care about me. And that was really hard really difficult. And I didn't recognize that it was a lie that I was aligning to, that I was believing. We take these lies all too often and then we place them upon our own identity. And we think that our darkest, hardest, most difficult moments say the most truth about us. Our darkest moments are not the truth of who we are. Our darkest moments are a deviation from the truth that lies within us. The truth is that we are children of God. And I mean a deviation. Here's what's interesting, is that sometimes we think that the atonement puts us back to where we were. Right? Make a mistake puts us back. That would be great, but I don't think that's all it does. I think if we're moving in a straight line and we make a mistake and we deviate, not only does Christ not just put us back exactly where we were before we made the mistake, he puts us farther ahead on a path, right? We can continue progressing. We don't have to go backwards in time, back to somebody who we used to be in order to be okay, in order to feel like the atonement's working. Oftentimes the atonement doesn't make us who we used to be. It makes us closer to who he wants us to become. Guys, heartbreak is hard. It's not fun. But it is the perfect school to teach us Christ-like attributes. Dating can be hard. All of this, this whole process might just be a series of lessons so that we can learn to rely on the Lord and allow Him to mold us into who He wants us to be. That's the whole story. That's the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you so much for coming. We'll allow, what are we thinking? A couple of minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes? A couple of questions. We'll take a couple of questions. These are questions that you guys are seeking answers to. If you guys have comments, you guys want to tell us a story, you have questions, no, hold up. If you have comments or things that you would like to tell us or stories, we'd love to hear them after, but if you have questions, we'd love to take them. Fire away. 
So something that you mentioned was that when you break up with someone, you need to give them like a reason. Like you mm. don't want to be efficient, you want to be effective. So um, how, for someone that struggles figuring out why, what mm. would you say is like some advice to like, how can you, how can you identify that reason? Because like you don't want to just like say, it doesn't feel right or God says no. Yeah. Like how, how can you identify a reason without like being like nitpicky, you know? That's a good question. Do you have thoughts on that first? None. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would... <laughs> Thank you, CJ. <laughs> also, really quick, before I answer the question, everybody give a round of applause to CJ for letting us be here. Like, man. what a man. Thank you, CJ. Thank you so much. Um, back at it. <laughs> um, first of all, you need to know if... I would dig deep and figure out, is it anxiety making me feel like it's not right? Is it an avoidant personality trait that's making me feel like it's not right? And if it's neither of those and it just really isn't right, you can really dig deep. Just figure something out. The thing is, is that guys, we really want closure. Closure is huge, right? And so... If you say it isn't feel, it doesn't feel right. It just doesn't. It's not quite there. I don't know what it is. Even clear communication like that is better than no communication. Yeah, and sometimes there will be instances where that's the case, where you can't put your finger on it. Maybe it is just a prompting, right? And it's better not to make up reasons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so that's yeah. I'm glad that you asked that question because I guess what I meant to say is, if there is a reason that you have nailed down, be honest about it. Right? Not. Not too specific. Be generally honest about it in a specific area that they can, they can understand um, and be like, oh, that's fair, right? Or, oh, that makes sense. I feel that way sometimes too with other people. Um, but if, if you are just having like a hard time putting your finger on it and it really is just like this doesn't feel right, then like, you know, the Spirit will, the spirit will guide you through that conversation. Um, but the principle is honesty. So if you know, say it. If not, say it. <laughs> I don't know. Also, knowing you, you're probably dating really good people, right? I would assume because you're a decent person, right? <laughs> but they're probably pretty open to talking about it. If you have no idea why, you could also figure out, is this negotiable? Is this something I can talk about with them? Figure out with them and say, hey, I don't feel right. I don't know what it is. I just feel really, I just don't know about this relationship. And if they say, well, is it this? Then maybe you're going to be like, yeah, it is that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you might be, no, that's not quite it. And they might work with you and you might find, oh my gosh, you're right. We do have big differences here. And maybe you don't feel right because they don't feel right. And they're slowly trying to manipulate you into breaking up with them. You know what I mean? There are so many different things, but clear communication is king mm -hmm. and queen every single time. Yeah. And knowing what you're looking for is also really important. Knowing what your, what your top priority must-haves are. Knowing what your... Your things are that are okay for them to be a work in progress. Knowing what the things are that it's like, you know, these things maybe I'm not like 100% on board with, but they've got, if they've got all these other things, I can give those to God and he can teach me to live with them. That's, that's a whole nother like conversation, mm -hmm. that, that process and that tool of figuring out what you're looking for. But it does help a lot in regards to um, figuring out whether or not the person you're dating is... Um, is right for you, and if not, why? It definitely can't help. I have another client um, who went through 
a bit of a breakup in which the person told them, oh, what did they say? They made up some excuse. It was about a dog. They were like, it's just because they're like, you like dogs too much. <laughs> Stop laughing, Alyssa. <laughs> it wasn't Alyssa. <laughs> um, but they're like, I don't like that you like dogs, right? Is that the real reason? Probably not. It's Kiana, by the way, this happened. <laughs> she gave it away. She's just being too obvious. Like, you're fine. But like, that happened. And I remember talking to her and saying, listen, that is just them trying to figure out what it is. They're like, I don't know, but I just don't want to, you know what I mean? And so they're like, you like dogs way too much. Peace. No reason. That's how, and, 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 and you don't need to blame yourself and be like, gotta get rid of my dog if I'm ever gonna get married. Like, that's not the truth. They, they just don't know. So that's why I'm saying honest communication is so essential, right? Yeah. If you don't know exactly what it is, talk with them, right? Don't make something up. That's, that's the whole story. Yeah. Does that help? Oh yeah. Stellar. Good question. Other questions? I wish I had one. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> go Addy, we'll just go in order of, of, of placement. Okay, go okay. Ahead. Um, I'm I'm gonna try to articulate my question. So you guys were saying like, you know, breakups is all, you know, to like go to school, learn the lessons, you know, of Christ-like attributes. But I'm wondering like the in-between. I know that that kind of is in the in-between. You are learning it after the breakup, mm. but I'm wondering like, you know, once you've kind of learned it, like, I, I don't know, at least in me, I notice, I'm like, okay, God, I know what you're doing. I check. I'm okay, done. God, I got this patient thing, this patience thing figured out, okay? <laughs> you like, bless me already. <laughs> Why can't I have any lessons that don't end like this, okay? <laughs> so I guess, like, my question is, like, um, what is that, like, you know, the weight in between? What are we learning during that? Like, hmm. after the breakup, you know, or whatever, I guess. And before the next relationship? Yeah, and before the next breakup. So, like, you've <laughs> gone through the... Oh. <laughs> so, you've gone through a breakup. You've gone yeah. through, like, the healing and the learning process. And now you're in this weird, like, limbo where you're not quite dating anybody. Yeah. And you're, like, kind of looking and you're feeling kind of healthy. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. I think that there's so much to learn. Mm -hmm. I think there's... The thing is, is that it's still a school. It's just teaching less harsh lessons. You know what I mean? And so, I would go through and still... This might just be a lesson in learning to trust God. Maybe we haven't put our desires fully on the altar of God. Maybe that's the test. We're Abraham and we're just kind of like walking really, really <laughs> slow up the mountain. I don't know, right? But everybody has something special and specific that they're meant to learn through each season of life, every single chapter. Life's all about the story and we're making a really, really good one, right? Just because it's an in-between chapter doesn't mean it's not an important one. Does that make sense? Allison wanted to uh, help with this one too. I want to sit on the mic so they can get it at the podcast. I'm not like one of them, but she is. She is one of us. She's exact. I'm she's him. one with Nate. Okay, they're um, the same person. So I just finished a book called "Get the Guy." It's really cool. Dating it's book. by dating book. It's his awesome. name is Matthew it worked. Messi. Look. He's like. <laughs> she got me. Anyways, yeah, he's he's like UK's hit. Anyways, he talks a lot about building a life of high value and a life that you love and that that's what people are attracted to and so amen peter but i would also add you want a life that you love and guys want a life that you love you know and girls want a life that you love right and so i think maybe that's part of the period is if you're always in a relationship maybe you don't know what kind of life you love without someone in it and so it's 
the time to learn what you like to do and what you're passionate about and what you really want to accomplish with your life and things like that. So it's like, okay, I'm in between, so I'm still going to build a life that I love and it's full of good, awesome things. Um, so... Anyways, that was my thought. Love it. I I had a similar thought, but I could not say it that well. So we'll just just go with that. That's why they're a team. (laughs) Cool. That helps. Yeah? Sophia. Need like a super long explanation, but I know that in B and C it talks about how if you pray to find an answer, you will like feel burning in your bosom, you'll feel that it's right, or you'll have a stupor of thought. And I guess I've kind of equated like anxiety to a stupor of thought. Oh, like what what wow. does a stupor of thought feel like then if it's not peace? What does stupor even mean? Has anyone looked up the definition? I believe it means you kind of forget. No. That's what I've always thought, but I'd, I'd love to know what the actual definition of stupor is. Define stupor. That sounds like you just forget. It's a state of un- near unconsciousness or insensibility. Huh. Yeah, CJ. One of Satan's greatest tools is doubt. If he gets you to doubt yourself, then you'll doubt your ability to heal. You'll doubt your ability to be forgiven, to forgive yourself. You'll doubt your ability to be a good partner. You'll doubt all the things in your life you're constantly working on. And if you often, a lot of, I mean, a lot of us struggle with anxiety and depression, and a lot of us, that's, again, one of Satan's greatest tools is for us to doubt our ability to overcome our own anxiety, our ability to overcome the depression that we live with, our ability to find a new spouse, find a girlfriend, a boyfriend. And a lot of times i found in prayer is that sometimes I feel anxious or I feel depressed, and that's why I'm praying. And often I'll find that I have a really hard time feeling the spirit if I'm doubting my ability to completely give everything and completely let him tell me what to do. And I find a lot of times if I'm going to the Lord looking for, an, looking for a specific answer. Lord, is, is she the right one? Or Lord, should I do this? And I'm looking for the Lord to say, yes, do this, without actually waiting for the Lord to tell me, this is what you should do. I'll find myself doubting whatever answer I can, hmm. because it's not the answer I want. And doubt, again, kind of to comment on your questions, you know, is anxiety that stupid of thought? And sometimes the stupid of thought is just us doubting, or what we, what we think is stupid thought, is just us doubting that the Lord has the power to give us the answer. Yeah. I just thought of a good example. Um, a couple of months before I met Allison, um, there was someone that I was like on the verge of dating. We like, it was weird because there wasn't any logical reason why we wouldn't. Um, but <laughs> the second time we started to like talk about get, getting mm-hmm. together, every time we were with each other, it was like, we not dating we'd finish the date and then like forget about each other at least I, that was my experience it was like for like two weeks i was just like we're gonna do my thing and do the socials and like running events and stuff and i'd be like oh yeah why have i not thought about her at all and finally i was just like i don't want to just like let this thing die off i want to communicate so i called her and i was like hey this is what i'm experiencing are you by chance experiencing any of the same thing 
She was like, yeah. I don't think he about you at all. <laughs> literally, literally. And I was like, I was like, because it's obvious that there's chemistry when we're together and we both really admire each other and we have a blast. Why do we want to do it every day? I was like, I just forget about it. Like it does, it's not even at the forefront of my mind. It's like, I'm not even conscious of that as a possibility. Mm. She was like, me too. And I was like, whoa, I think we figured out what a stupor of thought means. I feel so peaceful. Like, about it when we're not when I'm not thinking about you and she's like me too I'm like cool well move on I'm gonna be really happy like next time we run we cross paths and be like hey good to see you and she's like me too I was like cool hey I had a stupor of thought about you <laughs> I, hey I didn't think about you <laughs> it was <laughs> I think that's one of the ways that it can <laughs> I think that's one of the ways that it can come interestingly enough. The interesting thought is that that stupor contained like peace about about not pursuing a relationship. So it wasn't solely a stupor of thought. It was also a peaceful. No, it's not. Right. Fruits of the spirit. We're still there. Like, super cool. Mm-hmm. I don't think that, that. I don't think that it's very common for people to experience a stupor of thought. Like literally, just like. Who did I go with last night? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> where am I? You know what I mean? Like. I, I, I don't think that that happens. I think that 99% of the time that we get an answer, it's going to be a peaceful feeling in the affirmative or in the negative. That make sense? It's a peaceful yes or it's a peaceful no. Mm-hmm. It's a peaceful move forward and see or a peaceful probably back off. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't equate anxiety to a stupor of thought. Anxiety usually has to do with more of the chemicals and the hormones and every like in the brain, the cortisol mm. and all of that kind of stuff saying, I don't know, like CJ said. Or, like, or the splinters that may be behind it. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. The, the underlying cause, the underlying fears, the underlying traumas that might be affecting us in the area of the question. Yeah. Does that make sense? The other thing, sorry, Ashtonio, um, <laughs> is... <laughs> Is in James, it says, because like we always hear, asking you shall receive, asking you shall receive, right? But there is one time in which it says, asking you shall receive not. Ye asking you receive not in James, right? And I'm like, oh, why? Because <laughs> how many of us have not received specific answers? And it says, ye ask and you receive not because ye ask amiss. Sometimes we're asking the wrong questions. Mm. Right, and maybe, like CJ said, because we're afraid of the answer, we don't like the answer, or we already know what the answer might be. Yeah. Make sense? Good question. One more thing. Yeah. We'll go CJ and then Ashtonio. You know, I'm sorry. Is that okay? Your trigger question. That's what I was thinking. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, just one thing that I've also learned from personal experience and fortunate is that. When you're asking, you, we've all been taught. We all understand that the spirit is very personal. And that we need to be worthy to feel the spirit really strong. And the more connected we are, the we are, the stronger that connection goes. Um, I think there's a misnomer in the gospel that people believe that if they're not worthy of a temple recommend or they've been making mistakes and sins, that they're no longer worthy to feel the spirit. And that is not the case. You may not have the constant companionship with the spirit because you're actively doing something wrong. However, don't ever let yourself believe you're not worthy to get an answer to a prayer. 
whether you're not worthy to feel the Spirit. Mm-hmm. I made a mistake. I had a conversation with a girl I was talking about marrying three years ago. And it was a really tough decision because I was praying to know if she was right, and I wasn't getting an answer. I was getting no answer at all. And my immediate thought was, well, I'm making mistakes. And I said, Lord, she's not answering me. It's a terrible way of thinking about life. But that's not the case. Can you reiterate that for those who listen to the podcast? <laughs> that's like, that's really, really important. Um, basically, we all know that Heavenly Father has a connection to us in the Spirit. We have, the stronger our connection to Heavenly Father, the more that we're doing on the iron rod, the path, the stronger that spiritual connection is. And there's this misnomer in the church that we, some people believe that if we're not making the right decisions, if we're not worthy to hold a tumble recommend, or to attack the sacrament, or if we're on disciplinary councils, or various things like that, that we're no longer worthy of the Spirit. We're no longer worthy of getting an answer to our prayers, and that's a total incorrect thing, because as a child of God, of which all of us are, we have a permanent connection to our Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ, a connection that is beyond all measures of love, and we don't ever want to think that, I, I can't get an answer. I can't, I'm not worthy of the Lord's guidance. I'm not worthy of revelation because that's for the people that are in the, do, in the good. It's not true. We are all worthy of the revelation. We are all worthy of guidance. We are all worthy of the actual, constant, arm-over-the-shoulder companionship of our Savior. Yeah. Amen. And I loved your clarification that, like, maybe we don't have the constant companionship of the Holy Ghost, that, that gift that comes with like worthiness, but like you said, it doesn't mean we can't get answers to prayer. And that's often the, the best time. President Hinckley used to say, it's too hard to stand, kneel. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. Fantastic. Do you want to say something about a trigger question? Uh, I just love, Nate used to always ask, and you can say it on there, but whenever we'd be talking, he'd ask, do you think this is a trigger to something else that you've experienced in your life? And for me, that was a big help to recognize when it's anxiety-related. Mm. What does oh, this yeah. remind you of? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. To, thank you. That's a really good question to ask yourselves when you're feeling anxiety, you're feeling fear, you're feeling extremely off about something um, in order to identify the splinter. What does this remind me of? Well, it reminded me of that relationship and what happened there and how do I feel about that? You start talking through your feelings and this lie pops out at you and you're like, whoa, <laughs> like that's not true, but it feels so true, mm-hmm. right? Like logically, Consciously. I know it's not true, but yeah. it feels so true and that's when the hard emotional work comes of choosing to believe differently, to cast out that lie and bring in the truth. I think, I think for a lot of people, it's probably, probably what CJ said. It might, it might be, they might be thinking about a past experience and they're like, Oh, yeah, and it just felt like there was a wall between me and heaven, and, like, I just lost all, like, communication with him. And it was impossible to get through that wall, and I wasn't worthy of any communication with God. Obviously a lie. If we look at the doctrine, that's not true. Asking you shall receive. Knocking it shall be opened unto you. He can still talk to you. Amen. Yeah. So Does cool. that help? Yeah, that was awesome. Right. Thank you. Tyler, you're up. 
so I was just speaking, and I've asked a question similar like this before. Um, you know, all of us probably have experienced some type, some degree of anxiety, depression, trauma. I've experienced a lot of trauma in my life, and I talked to you a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, like, I'm just kind of thinking, you know, we're, we're taught, I feel like as a society, you know, we're taught, you know, to be afraid. Right? Mm -hmm. in, in the sense, like, oh, I'm not good enough. I need to do more. I need to be more than who I am mm -hmm. so that people will just give me a chance, so that people will give me the time of day. Right? I feel like oh, it's so easy to think that way. I have those thoughts every day. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, because of the trauma I've experienced. And, and I'm just thinking, man, can someone just give me a chance? Mm -hmm. Right? And so I'm just kind of thinking. I was thinking about the subconscious mind. You guys were saying, you know, the subconscious mind is something that we can train. Right, to, to help us think more positive, right? But I, I get it, you know, like anxiety, depression, trauma, especially. You know, it's, it's just hard. You know, people can tell you, well, you know what, you need to have a better attitude. You need to have a better outlook. And it's just like, it's hard for me to do that at mm. times, right? It's just hard. And it's just like, how can we better train the subconscious mind, you know, so that we are more happy in our lives? Yeah. Hey, let's talk. Let's talk. Okay. For sure. Yeah. I'd love to help you with any of this. I, I think there's I a... That. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I love that. I think that that's... Um, it made me, made me think of this. It's exhausting to treat the symptoms, right? Just have a better attitude. Just choose to think different. It's exhausting, exhausting to try and treat the symptoms for the rest of our lives when it is possible to treat the sources, which are the, the splinters, the beliefs, the lies, right? that are causing these fears and these anxieties. Exactly. Hence why I would love to talk to you. Yeah. The thing is, is that oftentimes when we have splinters, we know that on a subconscious level really deep and we try to avoid it, right? And for me, and maybe for some other people, sometimes it gives us this feeling that I need to prove myself in this area. I need to prove it. If anybody would just listen, right? And, and that is difficult. You don't need to prove your worth. You're worthy, right? You're a son of God. Christ already proved your worth in Gethsemane and on the cross. You don't need to do it, right? Does that help a bit? Yeah, yeah. You're awesome. Were that. you up? Mitch, did you have a question or is it you? Uh, yes. To both. Okay. <laughs> Remind me your name. <laughs> um, I was just thinking about how there can sometimes be negative emotions after we break up, bitterness, sadness, um, hurt. Was that like a healthy way to express those emotions or resolve them? Because I've heard if we just kind of shove them down or ignore them or like condemn ourselves for feeling them, um, that can build up emotional splinters and stuff. So what's a positive way to express sometimes negative emotions? Great question. I'm a huge fan of journaling, personally. Like, I have a lot of journals, right? I have a journal that is strictly like revelation and gratitude, right? I have a journal that's like personal affirmations, declarations that I write in every morning, right, of where I want to go. I have a specific journal where I write a letter to my future wife every day. And I have a specific journal in which I just write negative stuff, rip out the page, burn it. Right? <laughs> right? And that's literally what I do. I. Another thing that I love to do, this is something that 
I've recently been doing a lot. And there's a ton. Like, come talk to me. This is what I do all day, every day. You can ask anybody that works with me. I, Ken, I already called you out. We clear so many negative emotions every single time we talk, right? That's, true. That's what we do. That's like what I'm passionate about. This is a big deal. We could talk for years, right? <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that I've been doing recently that I recommend everybody do is I really love visualizing being with Christ. Like, as I pray, I imagine, what would it be like, and I've talked to Olivia about this, right? But like, what would it be like to be with him? How differently would I talk to God if he were standing next to me? Right? And something that I've done for the last several days has just been the best thing in the world, is, is I, I kneel, I envision walking with Christ along like, I really like trees, right? Trees, mountains, and then we get to the edge of this cliff that's kind of overlooking the sea, and I see this all in my mind, right? And, and I just envision all of the negativity, all of the negative, the stress, the anger, the hurt, the pain, and I literally just like, what would it look like if it were an object? What would it look like? And sometimes I give it to the Savior, and he chucks it into the ocean. <laughs> sometimes I just chuck it into the ocean. You never think about Christ like, have you guys ever done this? I don't know. Maybe I love this. This is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> Skipping rocks and throwing rocks off a cliff into water is like my favorite thing. Like I could do that for days. It's like awesome, right? And so imagining like standing there with Christ as Christ takes my negative emotions. He pays for them. He sacrifices himself for them and he throws them into the ocean and he cheers. He's like, oh, you never think about Christ doing that. But he's our brother. He's our best friend, right? And I dare you to do that with any specific negative emotions. Write them down, figure out what they are, and just picture yourself with Christ throwing them off a cliff and see how, how, you, to see how you feel. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway. And it might be a little bit different for everyone on what works. For me, um, communication's like one of my favorite things in the world, right? Studied it, the dating coach communication side of things, right? So for me, it's talking with someone, someone that's a safe place, whether it's my wife or my mom, or God in prayer, right? Or close friends. And just being like, hey, can I chat with you for a second? I'm like trying to work through um, something that I'm like feeling anxious about and I want to figure out what's causing it and, and fix it. And, and it has to be someone who's a safe place, who's a good listener, you're right? Someone who's not going to rush in and try to fix it, but someone who's just going to like be there for you um, while you work, work through, ask some good questions maybe. Um, something like that. So it might look a little bit different for everyone. I love the way Peter does it. I think it's so cool, and I learn so much from him every time, too. Um, we can all learn from each other, but it's probably going to look a little bit different from everyone else. And that's... It will definitely look different for everybody. It will definitely look a little different for everybody. <laughs> does that help, though? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I definitely want to try a few of these things. Fantastic. Cool. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Mitchell. Yes. You're um... beautiful. What's your question? <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> But yeah. something I have been working on is learning how to have these conversations before yeah. it just like ends poorly in like some lack of communication or too much at once. Yeah. And so I'm trying to find a, a balance between being totally honest and then also being just totally nice. Because like when you're dating, it's sort of like there's like a balance in a lot of things like being flexible versus also having self-respect and 
all sorts of things that you need to balance. And I'm trying to think, what are some milestones, what are some markers that you recommend in finding the balance hmm. between being nice and being honest? Hmm. That's a really good question. And that's one of those things where it's like, it'd be really hard to provide a recommendation without more context, just because everyone's so different and your communication style is so different from everyone else's, right? It's, everyone's communication style is so unique that um, for me, when it comes to like doing dating coaching and communication, like dating coaching, uh, yeah, you kind of have to understand the context more. Did you have any thoughts you want to share on that one? Yeah, I think there's definitely a balance, right? There's a level of honesty that is completely unnecessary. And if you take this out of context on the podcast and blackmail me, I'm going to be upset. There, there's a level of, of honesty that's unnecessary. As in, um, you know, I don't think it's going to work out. I just really think your nose is awful. <laughs> don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> Way too specific. Right? And that's what we were saying. You don't have to get super, super specific. You can be honest if I'm unattracted to somebody because their nose is awful. I'm not going to say that. Say, I'm just not feeling a spark, right? I don't know which, if I'm giddy about like moving forward in a relationship. Which, if you think about it, is way closer to the truth. Because their nose isn't awful. It's just different than what you're looking for. Right. Right? <laughs> That's, That's totally sense. fine. Everyone's different. It's kind of a harsh example. By the way, as a photographer, and I'm staring at all these faces, you guys have, you guys have great noses. <laughs> 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 That is a great question, though. I'd love to talk more about it and see if for I sure. can understand more of what you're thinking. I agree. Well, cool, guys. We thank you so much for coming. We're so, so, so grateful that you are. Um, thanks for supporting us. Thanks for helping us out. Um, thank you again, CJ, for letting us do the, the, the seminar here. We're planning the next seminar for the beginning of June. First Thursday of June, I believe, because um, I'm going to be out of town for a bit doing a service project with a homie. Um, but we like keep this fresh in your mind because we're going to be playing off of this a lot in the next one because we're going to be talking about the fear of breakups preventing us from moving forward, uh, right? And we're really, really, really excited to tackle this next one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for coming. There are treats. <laughs> Monkey bars. <laughs> <laughs>
both of these actually. She's awesome. She is. That's my sister you're talking to. Not only like Sister Elder, but like my sister Good job. Erica. Sister Elder and Sister Erica. That's Sister Elder right there. And my Sister Erica. Sister yeah. Leader. Yeah. Well, I like that, I like that team. Thank you. Good to meet you, Sister. <laughs> <laughs> I know you hate me. It's okay. It's okay. Stop. Too much. You can't handle it. Oh, I was meaning to tell you. Yeah. So. I was like, I kind of back and said, for the longest time, I've been like, all like, all like, friends. I'm chatting out here, having the most difficult. Really? Explaining it. I'm like, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time, like, figuring out how to explain this to you. This is awesome. And then, like, I was sitting there, I didn't respond. I just didn't know why. Because, like, the way I've been describing it is, like, dating. Oh, okay. But, like, in reality, like, what I'm mainly getting out of it is it's mainly like kind of like how you mentioned it's about like becoming like more like the savior and just like through the lens of like dating but I feel like for most of the stuff I've been getting out of it it's just like helping me become more like the savior and become like a better person yeah. more than like actually dating like that's more like on the side yeah. just for me I love that and that's a like, compliment like thank you mm. so like you and, you and Peter are like <laughs> thanks like, man Heavenly Fathers, Heavenly, Heavenly Father is so kind. I, I can't tell you like how many times I'm just like, thank you. Here's a cool one. Um, we were praying the other day during one of our business meetings, and I was like, Heavenly Father, thank you for every, everyone you're bringing to the group. And immediately the Spirit was like, those are my children, Nate. I care about them. And I was just like, you're honored like, to be able to, to share your truths that you inspire with your children. No, I love that you like quoted like Doctor Covenant section fifty. Mm. One of my favorite verses yeah. in there is about like yeah, both are edified, mm. right? Yeah. And, like every time, man. Every time. <laughs> I love that.